The first reading is from the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The second reading is from Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is that Satan has so filled your heart that you, don't, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. 
When Hananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. A great fear gripped the church. I don't know about you, but I don't actually believe in a God of fear. And so when I come to a passage like this, I really struggle with it and I really wrestle. I was given this passage to preach on um, when I went to visit another church. And not only was I given the passage to preach on, but I was asked to also preach on the the theme of freedom, which I thought the two did not seem to mesh very well. And then as I reflected on it, and as I sort of spent time thinking and praying, actually... There was, I found that there was a message of freedom. It was a message of the freedom from this idea of a God that is violent, a God that provokes fear, and the God that we see in this story. I know that Simon and I have both talked about mimetic theory here before, this idea of that all violence actually comes from people, from humans. And what we see in scripture is humans attributing this violence to God. And I essentially kind of wandered down this thought path and came to a reflection that I wrote that I'm going to share with you this morning. They said, in the beginning, everything was perfect. The Eden was how it should be. New and fresh and clean that we were all equal and walked with God. They said, since woman ruined it all, that we were led astray, that we lead others astray. We ate the fruit, the fruit of knowledge. And so God cursed us, because God is angry. That way... Life is brought into the world through pain and punishment. That we welcome death. Even in our innocent state, we were tainted. They said, we must accept our bondage. We must accept God's judgment because God is angry. And fear has filled our hearts. He said... Everything on the mountain was perfect. That God 
told us how it should be, new and logical and just, that we could all be reconciled and come before God. But he said, my sons ruined it, that they were foolish, that they were unclean. They only made an offering because they wanted to please God and God killed them because God is angry because of the way that they offered it. And that was more important than their hearts. And so they were punished. And even though their hearts were true, they were seen as unclean. He said, I must accept their death. I must accept God's judgment because God is angry. And fear has filled my heart. But then Jesus said, you are a new creation, beautiful and loved, more splendid than the flowers in the field, made just the way you should be. And you don't have to be afraid. Everyone is loved by God. Everything is redeemed by love. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to shed blood. We don't need a scapegoat anymore. Love can be your offering. Love pleases God. Because God is not angry. Because God will not ask for death. That is what humans do. Because it is we who are angry. Even our anger cannot keep us from God. Jesus invited us to accept God's love. Jesus showed us how not to be angry and not to be violent. Because God is not angry. Fear does not need to be in our hearts. But Peter said, this was the new beginning. Everything was perfect again. Like a new Eden, back to the way it should be, new and redeemed and clean again. That everyone could come to Jesus and Jesus showed us who God is. But Peter said they ruined it all. That Satan led them astray. That they had grieved the spirit and lied about money and kept some for themselves. And they died. Because remember, God is angry. He seemed to forget what Jesus said, that love redeems. And so they were punished. Even though they had the spirit and might have repented, Peter said we must accept this violence. We must accept God's judgment. Because remember, God is angry. And fear filled their hearts again. I say, I will not be afraid. I will not listen to the lie of God's violence. I will not let my heart be fearful. I will embrace love. I will embrace the innocent who was deceived. Lift up the one whose offerings look down on. 
and I will not see God in the violence of people. I will not be bound by expectation. I will not be chained by fear. I will be free. Because freedom is knowing God is not angry. Freedom is knowing that God is love. We come now to our time of prayer together. And I was reflecting this morning on the language we use around prayer in churches. And often we talk about inviting God into a space. And it always strikes me as odd to invite God anywhere because God is here. So instead for a moment, perhaps pause to think about what you need to do in this moment to be aware that God is here. We're not inviting God. God is present with us. But sometimes there are so many things that are going on in our minds, in our lives, that we just need to take a moment to sit and be still and to know that God has gone before us. So take that moment now. God who is abundant love, abundant hope, abundant life, we come before you in prayer today. The way of Christ is not an easy path to follow. And we pause to acknowledge the times and ways in which we have not loved abundantly, not hoped abundantly, not lived abundantly. The way of Christ is not an easy path to follow. And we pause to acknowledge the times and ways in which we have prevented others from not loving abundantly, not hoping abundantly, not living abundantly. God, who is abundant love, abundant hope, abundant life, we come before you in prayer today. Loving God, parent of humanity, we bring before you those who are lost without your care. The unaccompanied minors in European refugee camps and the very few that make it to the UK. The children raised in violent homes. The vulnerable adults estranged from families and from society. The person of faith who lives in fear of you not in the freedom of love. God, who is abundant love, abundant hope, abundant life, we come before you in prayer today. Loving God, creator of the world around us, beneath us, above us, we bring before you that world that is choking the ice caps that are melting, causing sea levels to rise, coastal communities to flood, and the poorest in the world to suffer. The natural resources that are removed for the gain and want of the world's richest. The plastic that lines the oceans, creating masses that are the size of small countries.
the person of faith who lives in fear of the truth, not in the freedom of hope. God, who is abundant love, abundant hope, abundant life, we come before you in prayer today. Loving God, sustainer of the fabric of the universe, connecting the unseen with the seen, the unknown with the known, we bring before you a time of confusion and concern. The polarizing of politics with personalities profiled above the poor. The conflicts that tear countries apart, inflicting suffering on those weakest. The walls that are being built, both physical and metaphorical, separating nationalities, ethnicities, isolating the neediest. The person of faith who lives in the fear of collusion, not in the freedom of justice. God, who is abundant love, abundant hope, abundant life, we come before you in prayer today. Christ, who conquered death, set us free from the law, destroyed the need for violence, we offer you these prayers and those of our hearts alongside the power of the Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf. Amen. <laughs>